your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on any previous episodes you've missed or stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd take a look around the league and check in on some of the scorelines from this evening's games, as well as talking about which games have been postponed and really whether or not these postponements are going to have a significant impact on the season at a later date, because with the staggered scheduling and everything that has to happen now as a result of these postponed games, I legit don't really know how the rest of the season is going to play out. I mean, we're having suspended games almost every week, and I think at some point the NHL does need to sit down and think about whether or not the season can actually continue. I also wanted to touch on one other subject that I'll start off with first, and that's talking a little bit about the Jack Roslevic situation and whether or not Winnipeg actually gave him a fair shot. I think there's a compelling argument that of Winnipeg's prospects, Jack Roslevic probably got the best shot of any of the Jets players that didn't really pan out like Nick Patan and Sami Niku. Let's first take a look at some of the players uh, Jack Roslovic was being deployed with. I'm going to ignore defenders and stuff just because, of course, those guys will play plenty of minutes on the ice at the same time as uh, Roslovic does. But Jack, of the like five most, uh, I guess, common forward line mates, uh, he had plenty of deployments with Matthew Perot, Brian Little, and then it kind of trickles down to Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine, Andrew Kopp, and then the rest of the team. Given what we know of Perot's deployments, Little's deployments, um, where Blake Wheeler and Patrick Laine have played, what you can kind of get a sense of is that Jack Roslovic generally played on the second and third lines, occasionally also getting placed on the fourth line if he was struggling, and generally speaking, I'm not really sure that Roslovic ever made a huge impact on this team. While he did at times help some of his teammates like Blake Wheeler get up and down the ice a little bit faster just because, of course, Wheeler is slowing down, we don't really have a huge sample size to suggest that, in fact, Roslovic's presence was really significantly impacting that line's performance. I think he got a decent amount of time with Blake. He got some time with guys like Little on the second line. He's also played with Patrick Laine and gotten a fairly healthy number of shifts on those lines, and I feel like overall I just haven't really felt that Roslovic was going to be a major difference maker. One thing that kind of stood out was that when he tried to play at center, a lot of the defensive reads and things didn't really work out for him. I don't think it's for a lack of opportunity, though. It seemed like Maurice genuinely wanted to get him at least a number of reps, and certainly more than what we've seen from some other players. You know, you look at Nick Patan several years ago, and I think Patan's best season in terms of, like, deployments and whatnot came when I think he was placed on the line with Blake Wheeler for a bit, and that line actually clicked along pretty well. Even though Patan wasn't really scoring at a particularly high rate, his really strong puck possession, his defensive acumen, and generally his his good distribution and vision allowed him to essentially help control the ice more so than when he was off that line. I think Winnipeg's core C4 percentage was somewhere around like 53 to 55% when he was on that line, so not a bad combo there. The thing with Patan is once that season kind of went by, he went right back to being like a fourth liner under Maurice, and unfortunately Patan just never really got much of a look at being a top six player. 
I tend to think that Maurice sort of watched Patan and just didn't really see enough hustle and what looked like a lot of back-checking and hard defensive work, which is what Maurice tends to prize. He's somebody who does understand that there are some players who are very skilled and don't have to work hard and yet still get really great on-ice results, but I think for Maurice that doesn't really do enough. He always seems to favor players who he feels do a lot of different things like killing penalties, back-checking very hard, uh, putting an active offensive shift, and basically moving up and down the ice with relative ease and doing it very quickly. It's probably why he thought for a while that Kyle Connor on the PK was a good decision, even though anyone just watching you know, Kyle Connor on the penalty kill and even at even strength had a really good sense that, in fact, Connor was not really cut out for that role. In fact, he's not really cut out for any sort of defensive role at all. Patan actually would have fit that mold a lot better, you know. Patan is a small guy, and he does occasionally lose board battles. But where he sort of lacks in size, he makes up for it in really good puck smarts, vision, IQ, and play reading ability. Now, he did take a couple of shifts off here and there, especially late in his Jets career, but by the same token, he just never really played that much for Winnipeg, and I really feel like the Jets kind of held him back from greatness. And the same thing can be said for Sami Niku, who has now been technically freed, uh, you know, he's only played a couple of games for the Jets, and I feel like at this stage of his career, the best chances of him succeeding at this level have long since passed. If the Jets wanted to give Niku a real shot, he would have had to have been deployed along somebody like, uh, you know, a Dustin Bufflin type. You know, Buff was somebody who could shelter just about anyone. He could carry any defender no matter how bad, and that includes Ben Sherrod at his worst. Niku is a very skilled puck-moving blue liner, but of course, without that really strong defensive support as a partner, he's going to struggle a lot, and I don't think his development trajectory ever really had the stable support that genuinely allowed him to enter the NHL in a comfortable manner. Now he's been forced into the lineup on occasion, and of course, he's going to struggle. It's not a surprise when you've basically been pressed-boxed for most of your career or spent the rest of your seasons down in the AHL. He's not really going to learn much, and I don't think that at this stage any of his development is going to be positively impacted by getting thrown to the wolves. Roslovic, to me, never really had those same issues. I feel like Jack was generally looked upon fondly by the coaching staff because, you know, a lot of his game reminded me of Matthew Perot, especially early on in Jack's career. And even now with the Columbus Blue Jackets, where he's finding some early success, you can kind of see some of the stuff that made Jack so elusive and so smart around the net. You can get flashes of those, and he's had a number of points to show for it. So I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, he, he could have done this for the Jets and he would have been, you know, a top six center, maybe a second line center. And I look back on Roslevic's Jets career and I just don't ever see it. I don't know why he's clicking along in Columbus right now, but I think as far as Winnipeg is concerned, I don't think that the way that Jets play, especially being a more conservative, defensively minded team where the forwards sit deep and the defenders tend to be a little bit more passive, I don't really think that that's ever suited the way that Roslevic plays the game. He needs a really high-tempo system. He needs an aggressive system with the players and forwards essentially pushing up the ice and trying to create pressure through the neutral zone rather than constantly playing back where he does struggle as a center with his defensive reads. I don't know if his early run is going to survive much for uh, the rest of the year with the Blue Jackets. Maybe he goes on an extended scoring streak and actually performs well, but I would guess at some point we start to see some of the holes with his game develop. When it comes to players the Jets have failed to develop, I don't ever count Roslevic among them because I just don't think that Roslevic, aside from being a pretty competent winger, ever showed more than that for the Jets. It's unfortunate that he didn't really stick around with Winnipeg and make it big, but you know, it is what it is. The Jets have plenty of players who are, are willing to step into his place and 
honestly show off more than he ever did in his tenure. I think Jack had plenty of promise and it just didn't pan out and it's fine. You know, now we've got Mason Appleton and Appleton to me looks like a guy who I think actually is going to have a better career. Was a third round pick maybe a little light? Yeah, I don't really think so. I think when you trade Line for Dubois and Dubois is probably the better player, you do have to pay up a little bit. So, you know, a couple of assets back for a couple of assets out you can live with that return. Speaking of the return, I did want to tell you a little bit about some stuff that's upcoming and talk about some of tonight's games as well as what we might see uh, this coming week when Winnipeg Next plays on Tuesday. Before then though, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your online one-stop shop for all your betting needs. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're a hardcore hockey fan and you really love the Winnipeg Jets. But you're probably a multifaceted sports fan. You've got all of these interests out there and you want to find a place where you can really show it off and make the most of your sports fandom and expertise. Whether you're looking for the hottest betting line tickets like Kansas City versus Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl, European football action every weekend, NHL games, or even college football, betonline.ag is the only site you need to turn to for all of your online betting needs. They're the safest and most reliable name in the business, and have all the straight bets, money lines, and parlays you could ever need. They make their betting system super easy, and even have an online casino if you want to take a break from sports betting. To get started, go to betonline.ag, where you can create your free account, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for the 50% welcome bonus when you create your free account at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello and welcome back to this Locked On Winnipeg Jets episode where we are covering news around the league and talking about some of the latest topic lines including whether or not Jack Rossovic's development curve was hampered by the Jets. If you missed it, go back earlier into the episode. The spoiler alert is no, I don't think the Jets really held him back. At least not like a ton. Now we are moving on to some scorelines from around the league, and uh, there are some interesting results. I will have to say that tonight we have Florida beating Nashville 2-1, and Florida basically dominated the game from start to finish, which in my opinion is pretty interesting. I feel like uh, the Panthers are one of those teams where a lot of people aren't really sure if they're actually good or if it's just the division. Just kind of putting this one blindly out there because it's not like I watch the, the Panthers religiously or anything, but my general feeling is... The Panthers might be legit. I I think over the past several seasons, they've had a lot of turbulence, and of course, Dale Talon's tenure sort of set the team up for a lot of failure. Under the new team leadership, which had a couple of decent moves in the offseason, and of course, uh, Joel Quenville is still coaching the team, who's been pretty decent in the past, it seems like maybe the Panthers might be starting to put two and two together. Their roster isn't bad. Would I call it great? I'm a little bit mixed. I think there are some really fantastic players on the team, but I wouldn't say the team itself is like amazingly deep, but I think there's genuinely underrated talent, and if Barkov can recover his form of like his earlier career, there's a lot of pretty decent depth players and complimentary guys all around the roster and the lineup, so interesting there, and it looks like their goaltending performances have also been pretty decent with Bobrovsky. You know, Bobrovsky's probably one of the riskier parts of that team, just because he's paid so much, and of course he's old and injured a lot, so kind of tough for the goalie even though he's actually not that old by goalie standards because of the amount of wear and tear that he's had it does make you wonder if at some point he will kind of struggle a little bit the Preds on the other hand they're just kind of bad I feel like Nashville for a long time has been spinning its wheels and Dave Poyle isn't really the guy to take that team to the next level he constantly makes in my opinion a lot of lateral moves and it's like yeah okay you sign these guys who are like Eric Howla types or Mikhail Groundland types that are good middle six players occasionally top six or even like second line guys but they need certain conditions to succeed and generally speaking they're just not really difference makers. Yusaceros and Pecorino aren't really doing a whole lot in net either so it's not like I don't know I feel like that team 
has more issues than just goaltending, but they have a lot of work to do, and the roster with the way it's currently constructed is just not ideal. The style of hockey that they play under John Hines isn't great either, so I don't really feel like the Preds are going to be much at this stage. I think that they have a lot of work to do. They probably need to think about a rebuild at some point, and they frankly need to struggle a little bit so that they can actually find some draft talent, because that's just how the system works. The worse you are, the more you... uh, the more you stash in your draft cupboard. Looking around the rest of the league, we've got Boston beating Philadelphia 2-1, and from what it sounds like, the Flyers kind of had a bit of a nice push, but then ultimately just sort of got bored to death and ended up losing. Tuka Rosk stood very tall. I think there was even a penalty shot that Rosk stared down and saved, and I feel like the Bruins in general have started to find pretty good form. That's a squad that has plenty of at least forward depth and defensive depth and really good goaltending, so a really nice well-rounded roster. Bruce Cassidy keeps the Bruins rolling throughout the past couple of seasons. That is a team filled with a lot of tough customers and some really good top-end talent, especially now that Pasternak is back. I expect Pasta will have a very big season in this limited frame, and we'll see what he can do, and I think that that team has the potential to be a real bully in the postseason. It's kind of how they play. They're very good, very skilled, very physical, and very smart. Just a difficult team to contend with on a daily basis. Speaking of difficult teams to contend with, we have Detroit and Tampa Bay. And Detroit actually, for a little bit, had some competitive moments, but of course Tampa Bay just sort of overwhelmed them, and Tampa Bay has really hammered the Red Wings over the past couple of games. It's a lot to ask Detroit to keep up with the sheer offensive and defensive depth of the the Lightning. I think Tampa Bay probably is going to have some patchier spots over the next couple of weeks, but generally speaking, that team just doesn't have that many weaknesses, and their top three lines are all just kind of ridiculous. Even their fourth line is very good, so there's just not many signs of weakness. They can roll all four lines, and John Cooper seems to have a pretty good handle on what he needs to do tactically to make the most of his lineups. There are some other games ongoing right now, and one of them is uh, LA Kings versus Golden Knights, and the Golden Knights are currently up 3-0 over the Kings, and it's almost the end of the first period. Tough night for Quick and the Kings. Sometimes Vegas just beats you, man. It, it is what it is. They're a very difficult team to contend with, and of course, they were cup finalists in their first season, and they've been a, a playoff mainstay over the past couple of years, so I would expect them to keep hammering LA. They don't really like to sit back. Um, Of course, the the Kings just need to be a little bit more defensively organized and give Quick more support. Kind of hard to do that, though, when Vegas hits you on really fast counters and takes advantage of any sort of chaos inside your crease. The Sharks are also playing versus Anaheim right now. We have lots of uh, former Pacific Division rivals playing against one another. Uh, San Jose currently leads 1-0 against the Ducks. I don't know that anyone really cares about this game except for Ducks and Sharks fans, but hey... You know, I think Alex Shemilevsky might be making his debut tonight for the Sharks. So, go Alex. I think he's uh, one of the brighter American prospects that we've seen, and he has plenty of potential to be a really high-end scoring forward if he puts it all together at this level of hockey. Shemilevsky's actually been credited with his first NHL point tonight. It was an assist on Matt Nieto's opening goal, so pretty nice day for him. I'm sure he'll be very happy to have an NHL point, and I'm sure he'd love it even more if he can actually get a goal somewhere. That about sums up the action around the league, though, and in a little bit I'll talk about some NHL Jets stuff, because we do have uh, a couple of games upcoming next week, as well as an event we've all been waiting for since the Patrick Laine trade, and that is Pierre-Luc Dubois' debut for the Jets. Before we get into that, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why rockauto.com is the best place to get all of your auto parts. If you're like most folks, you're probably groaning every time you see some sign or light on your car light up that says you need to do a little bit of service and maintenance. Immediately, you start to worry about how much lighter your wallet's going to be after you pay all of the repair and auto part fees. If you're tired of spending loads of money and you're looking for the best selection of excellently priced auto parts, look no further than rockauto.com. 
RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-navigate, intuitive website allows you to find the exact parts you need, sort it through filters looking for make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as a price range filter so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a new floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. Better yet, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else when you can just get it at rockauto.com and get the best deal possible? Go to rockauto.com to place your order, and when you do, be sure to write locked on the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I wanted to close out tonight talking about a couple of quick Jets updates that did not involve Jack Roslevic or anything. Those days are now past, as is uh, unfortunately Patrick Lane, but we are about to welcome somebody brand new to the Winnipeg Jets, and that is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who sounds like he might be ready for Tuesday. If everything goes well this weekend and he doesn't have any incidents, Pierre-Luc Dubois might be suiting up for the Jets against the Calgary Flames on Tuesday. Based on the fact that Dominic Toninato has also been waived and, and apparently might be moved to the taxi list at some point, it also does sound like Tucker Pullman might be coming off the uh, the COVID list. Gustafson also got moved to the taxi squad and Perfetti has been removed from the taxi squad of the Moose, where Perfetti will probably get a couple of reps uh, over the rest of the season, hopefully physically develop and uh, mentally develop his pro game as he starts to get used to this level of hockey. I expect that he won't be too, too long for the Jets. Uh, maybe not this season, but next he might make his debut. And of course, we're all super eager. But, you know, before we talk about the, the really young kids on the team, we're also going to be looking at Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's going to be joining us sometime this week. So the Winnipeg Jets being off for the next couple of days is actually really fortuitous timing because it gives just enough of a break for uh, Dubois to leave quarantine, start to maybe get a practice in or two, and get ready for his uh, his Winnipeg Jets debut. I think Dubois is going to be really good for this team. I like the way that he approaches the game. In a lot of ways, he has a lot of finesse and skill, but he also has a surprisingly direct approach to driving straight towards the slot area to try and create chaos and then move out wide to the perimeter where he can start setting up passing lanes and evaluate his shooting options. I like Dubois in a lot of ways because I think his sort of playmaking is something that Winnipeg hasn't had. They do have guys who are are more on the defensive side of things that do have like a really net front presence, but not many players have the vision, stick handling, skill, strength, and height that, that Dubois can really bring to this team. And I feel like the way that he approaches a lot of his attacking positioning, especially in the slot area and from wider positions, is just phenomenal. His release is great. His shot, while maybe not like overpowering, is really fast and accurate, and he just has a lot of really sound fundamental offensive instincts that allow him to find the really soft spaces and exploit them to score. He's a player that I'm personally very excited to see how he handles. I feel like on this team where the Jets have a lot of players who are maybe great finishers but not so good at setting up play, Dubois might be the guy to do that. In terms of like his two-way defensive play, I don't expect that Dubois is going to have that kind of impact. I think what we're looking at here is somebody who's going to be a primarily offensively driven player, which is fine with me. I don't mind that. As far as someone like Dubois is concerned, if he can help guys like Wheeler get up the ice, transition play, and actually become more pivotal parts of this offense, because right now that second line is just not working as constructed, then I'd be thrilled. I think Dubois has a lot of traits that make him a very interesting player. He's surprisingly fast despite his size. 
and his ability to shield the puck as he's coming in against goaltenders just makes him a real menace, especially against defenders who don't really have the strength or the ability to strip him. The bottom line is that Dubois is going to be a difference maker for this team, and I highly expect him to be one of the top Jets players as soon as he steps on the ice. You know, Shifley and Ehlers and Kopp on that first line, that's going to be a dominant unit and has already shown some progress. Dubois, maybe Connor, Wheeler, ideally somebody else on uh, at least one of those wings so that it's not quite as defensively uh, shallow, I think would be perfect. Either way, I I think Dubois is just going to be a nice upgrade over Stastny, and then Stastny can slide into that third line center role, which would be super fantastic. I think Paul would be great there, and I think we'll find natural chemistry with guys like Perot and, and of course, Mason Appleton. You know, as as far as this team is concerned, I know I've said a lot of things about the Jets really struggling this year, but Dubois is going to be a huge piece to this team. And I think in a lot of ways, he might be filling a better need than what Line did. Now, that's not to say that Line isn't going to be a very good player in his own right. I think we've all seen some extreme growth from him. I think he's got a lot of potential for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, you know, I wish him all the best of luck. It's kind of now time to think about the future, though. And Dubois is just a different kind of animal in front of the net. So I'm very excited to see how he handles this more close-range approach. I think that he can be a very skilled net front menace. I'm super excited. I hope you guys are. We're going to get to see him this Tuesday, hopefully, if all goes well. And maybe he'll even bag his first Jets goal. I am very impatiently waiting to see him. So for now, we'll just have to be patient and hold tight. That is going to wrap up tonight's show. I thank you guys so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!